Welcome to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week is a very special episode. I decided to reach out to none other than Miles Dompierre over at IGN, former of uh, Windows Central Gaming, who actually still does a little bit of work over there. But he is a CFE's fan. He hosts the Xbox Chatter Days every Saturday morning. He is an audio video producer and has been loving Sea of Thieves since its launch. We're going to be talking about his feelings on Sea of Thieves, his review of A Pirate's Life and what he felt was going into that, as well as the state of the game and what could be done to improve it for a larger scale audience. All that and more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. But before I get into any of that, I have to thank the patrons because they are the ones that are help supporting this content. They are appreciative of the stuff that I put out and they're helping take care of some of the costs that come with podcasting. So if you want to do so, if you want to show your support, you can always do so. Head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast or just share this with other people. I recently just celebrated 220 reviews over on Spotify. It's great to see folks uh, giving their time to help kind of promote this content with me. So I want to thank the patrons. Thank you to People's Republic, L Cute Balls, Bam Bam Bagel. Captain Hayes, Chateau Neuf, Super Pack, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mir, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Godhammer 6, Trickster, Jabaro 5, Jorby Jorbs, Carl Embo, Kazia the Aficionado, Nightstar, Lumpy SRQ, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Registella, Russ Bell Kid, Norwegian, Scamelt 666, Captain Dasm, Captain Chunky, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Captain J Rat of the Flaming Cold Sore, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Heger Owl, Jeff H, Ghostboy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. It means the world to me. I know I say it every week, but I genuinely mean it. Thank you. I love you all. Let's get into the episode. All right. If everyone's listening to this, then you're probably wondering what we're doing this episode, because usually I do solo shows, but I have with me none other than Miles Dompierre, who is joining us from uh, former Windows Central, now IGN. Miles, you've been working in the industry a, a relatively short time in comparison to some of the, the constituents that you've worked with in the past, but um, I wanted to bring you in to see if you use uh, this podcast because I, I've been following Xbox Chatterday for, for like ever. I've, I've been watching your shows. Um, you've, you've had some really amazing people come on in, in the past. And I wanted to, first off, congratulate you on 100 episodes because that's insane. Uh, but also because you've had some of the biggest interviews and ones that will resonate through like the Sea of Thieves community a long time. So welcome to Keelhauled. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. Thank you for that. That fantastic introduction, man. Yeah, just hit episode 100 over on Xbox Chatterdays. And like you said, in hindsight, I guess I've, I've been in the games industry for four years ish started late 2019 and um xbox chatterday is going for 100 episodes also means it's been going for a few years which is hard to wrap my head around because it feels like not that long ago that we yeah. you know pulled the bandaid off and said you know what yeah what if we what if we did an xbox podcast what does that look like and let's give that a shake so yeah i've been very grateful to sit down and have opportunities to chat with passionate awesome people who love video games and i'm i'm grateful that people still want to keep coming on the show and hanging out with me yeah well the the it's really fun to just kind of sit back and and have you breakdown kind of industry news um I, it's something that i love to do and and getting to watch your show i love kind of following everyone else's um ideas and, and thoughts about like what the what the industry is going through right now like right now is just an insane time just even talking about like if e3 is going to be a thing or not it seems insane so um but the one of the main things that i wanted to bring you in on is because you have fantastic position and, and a fantastic uh, perspective with Sea of Thieves. 
I feel like I am so close to the fire that I don't know how how much I'm I'm burned by by being this close to Sea of Thieves. So I wanted to kind of like give you a chance to come in and and talk about Sea of Thieves from your perspective because usually the people that I talk to are from the community. And I wanted to talk to some friends who I I think have some very smart ways of kind of talking about the industry as in general and get your perspective on sea of these but before i do that i have a couple questions for you hit me what you got what would you recommend as your favorite horror movie to people oh that's an easy one actually it's tough generally but number one my number one pick if you're interested in getting into the horror genre Mm -hmm. or you're looking to delve deeper see if it's really you know that a rabbit hole you want to go down evil dead 2 dead by dawn is uh, what i consider to be my all-time favorite horror movie. Absolutely love it. It's a fantastic blend of of comedy and horror and cheese and gore. And man, it's a movie that I can watch every single year with just a big old smile on my face. That's cool. That's really awesome. See, I, I go for Cabin in the Woods as my favorite, my favorite horror movie, even though it's not even really like a horror movie. It's more of a comedy, but it's a dark comedy. I just, I don't know, something about that movie. Uh, just really resonates with me. It's either that or um, oh, I just blinked on it, but it's it's the more recent one, <sighs> not the not the paranormal activity ones, but the uh, the possession ones. Why am I blinking on these? There's there's a few. There's like uh, the Conjuring. There's Insidious. Uh, Insidious yeah. is uh, Insidious, and um, oh, uh, I just I'm blinking on the other one too. But it's the uh, Hereditary. Hereditary was true. Oh, that was scary. Oh yeah, Hereditary is one of one of the modern classics. I highly recommend that. I also recommend pretty much anything from James Wan. So yeah, The Conjuring okay. Universe, The Insidious Universe. Yeah. Uh, one of his more recent ones, Malignant, is an absolute... <laughs> it's a ride. It's a movie that I saw with my wife in theaters, and we both just had the biggest smiles on our faces because of how outrageous the twist is. It's got one of the best twists in a horror movie ever because it's just the way they commit to the bit and the, the gimmick of that horror movie is just mm, it's it's masterful to say the least that's cool that's really cool I, I okay so have you seen nope i have seen nope yep okay that's one i haven't gotten to see yet is that one that you'd rank uh, pretty high as far as like horror movies go i think it's a great horror movie it's not in my all-time favorites but it does a really good job of putting a unique twist on aliens and because we've had dozens or hundreds of aliens movies over the years um but this has a really interesting spin on like what a ufo could be and if an alien species was to invade earth what would they actually look like so there are some really great scenes in it um it's it's slower so it might be a you know a slower burn for some folks but it's still a really great movie interesting so okay i i I had to get that out of the way because I know that you're a huge horror fan. I love horror, but there's only a certain amount of horror that I can handle uh, just with anxiety. Like I, I, I love Resident Evil games, but I can't play through them anymore the way I used to. So I always have to just watch people play through them. And it's very sad because I, I love the idea, but there's definitely moments where I'm like, nope, I can't do that. I would love to. Yeah, it's it's taxing. Like I'm a freak who loves like extreme <laughs> death metal and horror. And like, for me, that's a way to like de-stress, ironically enough like connecting with something so like intense and visceral and ugly it's i don't for me it's it's cathartic so that's why i watch a lot of horror movies and i i um listen to a lot of death metal and then i have people ask like why are you so cheerful why why are you so happy all the time and i say well because i listen to a lot of death metal and it helps me uh cope with the world around me. No, I'm I'm there with you. I, I love I love death metal. I love heavy metal. I I'm stuck in my old ways. I've I've found the music genre or the um the era that I love and I stick to it. It's really hard for me to find like new bands that I really get into. Uh so I'm I, I mean if there's ever ever someone that I would want to like recommend bands to me to start listening to it, like that you'd be the the person I'd probably want to go to. In fact, I think, what was it? Baby, Baby Metal just came out with a new album recently. Baby Metal. Yes. Uh, Shout uh, out to Baby Metal. So good. So, such a fun band. Um, so, okay. Now that I've got like the personal stuff out of the way, I feel like it would, it would be, it would be good if I actually talked about CSE. So um, I wanted to, to, to bring up a couple things 
what is your history kind of with Sea of Thieves? Because we've just gotten into season nine. Uh, sea of Thieves has been out since 2018. You got the opportunity to actually review a pirate's life for Windows Central uh, when that launched. So knowing that you're a big fan of Sea of Thieves, knowing that you've been playing it from from the get go and that you really, really got into it. Um, but knowing that there was definitely a lot of content that uh, was kind of lacking at the start. Um, what was it about Sea of Thieves that really pulled you in? Yeah, I've publicly talked about Sea of Thieves being one of my favorite games of all time. I've also talked about it being the most important Xbox IP of the last decade, at least. A lot of that came from the initial reveal and the promise of that, that first trailer that we all got treated to when you see the pirate go through the, the jungle and come out the hill on the other side. And then the moment that I saw other pirates and, it, and I realized that this was going to be this big open world multiplayer experience set in this, this gorgeous pirate sandbox, I was hooked. And then you see the water and you see that, that beautiful water detail that to this day has not been surpassed. And there was this sense of wonder and mystery and discovery. And so the moment I saw the reveal trailer, that was the moment that I fell in love with the world. And then we had years waiting for it to come out. And then when it did hit, like you touched on, it was pretty content light. But that being said, it was such a unique experience. And that's why I think there are so many passionate Sea of Thieves fans around the world is because... There is nothing like Sea of Thieves. For better or worse, I know people feel very strongly about the, the forced PvP aspect of it, but this shared world is unlike anything else that exists. And for a game to come out in this day and create truly, truly original game mechanics, gameplay loops that have never been done before, gameplay ideas that have never been done before, that is so hard. We've had decades of video game creation and we've seen a lot of you know, iteration and iterate. There's nothing wrong fundamentally with iteration in the video games industry. In a lot of ways, Sea of Thieves pulls from, you know, inspirations from the past. But that being said, to come up with a suite of, as they said, tools, not rules based gameplay mechanics, that was that was so powerful. And so even though there wasn't a lot at launch, uh, that first year, uh, year one Pirate Legend, shout out, uh, I grinded the hell nice. out of Sea of Thieves. Really played it. And again, like <laughs> looked for any excuse. I had a couple of buddies who were also really hard in and we played so much Sea of Thieves year one. And then ever since then, we've watched this game grow and expand and pull in new new audiences and, and create these loops and systems. And I, I often think to myself, like how wild of an experience it would be if I could erase my memory of Sea of Thieves as I know it and just jump in today and, and have the, the, the current Sea of Thieves be your first introduction to the game because it's so dense and rich now and they've had years and years to evolve the formula. And I've been along for the ride. I will say after probably year two, three, I'm not playing the same level. I'm not playing five, six hours every single day. Yeah. Uh, but every time there's a new update, every time there's a new event, I'm there with the squad checking out what's new. And um, again, they just hit their fifth fifth anniversary and they're talking about their five year roadmap. And I, you know, I'm I'm still like, even five years in, I'm still as excited as ever about the future of Sea of Thieves and the promise. Um, and I think for a lot of us, that's that's been the allure is this this promise of what's there and what could be there. And for the most part, the team has done a really good job delivering on the promises of the game. The runes and things. So I'm really curious with the a lot of the things that they've brought into the game uh, ever since launch, all the, the different tools that they've added, the different events that they've had. Do you find yourself leaning more towards the the narrative of Sea of Thieves, the, the gameplay of, narr uh, of Sea of Thieves, or something more akin to like jumping into the PvP aspect of it? I would say the gameplay more than anything. I'm one of those people who, you know, I know there are, there's an audience that wants a traditional campaign, if you will, a traditional story mode in Sea of Thieves. And for me, that's, that's not what I want. I, I love the discovery. I love creating my own story. And that's been some, that's something that Sea of Thieves has really excelled at. Um, but my favorite thing about Sea of Thieves is just getting a squad together, jumping in a ship, and just sailing. Not even having a specific goal in mind. Just getting in a boat, heading in a direction, and seeing where the adventure takes you. That is something I can do over and over again. And unlike any other game where typically I need, you know, I need a marker, I need an objective, I need, you know, some carrot at the end of the stick to chase. And Sea of Thieves, um, you know, the journey is is more fun 
often than the destination. And that's, again, a really powerful game design decision that the team has made there. Yeah. No, I, I, I resonate hard with that because it is something that is, I think, very unique to Sea of Thieves. Um, from your perspective, like we're, we're talking about what's great about Sea of Thieves and what's unique about it. Do you, th I'm always curious, and I, and this is where I feel like your expertise would really help me out here. Why is it, do you think that Sea of Thieves, um, at least from Zeitgeist, isn't quite on par with some of the other IPs that Xbox has? I mean, I would say if you look at player numbers, mm. um, it's bigger than most Xbox games, just objectively. And so I think that's why they constantly shout those numbers and engagement figures kind of from the rooftops, because Sea of Thieves just continues to grow. As it went to Steam, it grew. As it, its player base on both the console and the PC side just continues to grow, yeah. and more and more people engage with the game. And I think that is because it delivers something unlike anything else, but inherently that's going to be polarizing. So if you go on your, your Twitter, which is a small bubble of the grand gaming space, there's a lot of people who complain about Sea of Thieves. Again, primarily, I think it's the complaints come from the shared world, the force PvP. That is a big turnoff. So for some people, that automatically isn't going to be as compelling as a, you know, Halo that has both. It has your campaign, it has your multiplayer. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sea of Thieves, the campaign and the multiplayer, that's that's one experience. There's no disconnect between the two. That's all one shared thing. And I think that's the greatest strength of Sea of Thieves is that the team committed to the idea. They introduce things like the, the speaking trumpet, and they introduce all of these systems that are cleverly designed to immerse the player in the, the shared world and the unpredictable human element. That's why I love Sea of, sea of Thieves so much is that, you know, AI is fun, PvE is fun, sure, but there is nothing more interesting and fascinating than throwing a human in the mix that their actions cannot be predicted. Yeah. And so even the best game I, game AI engines in the world can't replicate that feeling. And that's why Sea of Thieves is fun. You never know if they're going to be, you know, a villain, a friend, a foe. And you have th this roller coaster of emotions, like, do I trust this person? And then we've all had the situations where we do trust them. And then they betray you and steal your loot, <laughs> sink your ship. And it just kind of it constantly elevates the experience and elevates your engagement with it. You can't really, I mean, you can, sure, you can kick back and passively play Sea of Thieves, but for me, it's its engaging in a way that other games just aren't. That always, it makes me so interested to to kind of find out, like, where do people lie on that? So when when you talk about, like, you love the, the engagement with players because you never really know what's going to happen, how often are you finding yourself in a situation? Do you tend to go with let's join up with these people and in or or like talk first and see what they what's going on? Or are you the type that are like, oh, I bet they're probably doing something. They've probably got some loot. Let's go see if we can uh, get get them, you know, get their treasure, sink them, you know, make a crafty play. Like what what do you when you come across someone on Sea of Thieves, how do you usually what's the first thing that goes through your mind? I think it for the most part, it's kind of how I engage with most people in the world is I, I you know i don't assume the worst when i see a ship on the horizon <laughs> unless they're you know flying the reaper's flag unless their cannons are already aiming towards us i usually don't assume the worst of another ship so mm. if i'm on voice chat um i will jump on the speaking trumpet and, and try to talk and then i also have the old chat pad on my elite controller so i can use game like type chat as well so i'll usually say hey like what's your vibe what, what how was this interaction <laughs> to go down like I'm just doing this. I'm just trying to do this. Like, if you want to fight, all right, let's, let, I'll strap in for it, but I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, so I have friends who are the gung-ho PvP, the, 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 the people who, as soon as we pass another ship, they are loading it with cannons, and they are just un <laughs> not even asking a single question. They don't care what that other ship is doing. They are blasting. Yeah. So I've, you know, I'm the middleman in those situations where I have to live with the consequences. So, you know, there are times when I'm not really in the mood to PvP. I'm just, I'm just cruising around. One of my buddies starts blasting another ship, sinks them, and then we're off doing the rest of our adventure, 
And then, sure enough, that ship comes back for vengeance, sinks yeah. us. We lose all of this loot, all of this time, <laughs> because my buddy just wanted to shoot someone, all right? And, you know, PvP is fun. I'm definitely an advocate of the shared world of Sea of Thieves. But generally, I'm a pretty um, welcoming pirate on the seas. That's hilarious. There's so many times uh, I, I, I will be sailing with people, and it always feels like it depends on the night. It always feels like... For me, I could be, depending on the crew too, depending on who I'm sailing with, it'll be one of those situations where it's like, okay, well, they need to get some uh, ledgers done or I need to get some ledgers done. So let's work on our emissary stuff and get our ledgers knocked out for the month uh, before the rollover. And then other crews, it's like, you know what, we're not really going to go in with anything in particular. We're just going to sail around and see who we can find and see what they've got. And so often... Um, I will be either like completely merciless and, and just bloodthirsty and be like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Let's just go sink them. Uh, or, or it'll be the complete opposite and be like, you know, I feel like we really should just like let them be. Like it doesn't feel like they really know what's going on. It feels like they might be a little bit newer. I think I snuck onto a guy's boat the other night and was standing behind him talking to him. And he thought I was still on my boat as we were like parallel sailing next to each other. And I was like, dude, you need to turn around. He turns around and realizes I'm there. And I'm like, hi. And we're like, all right, we're going to leave this guy alone. <laughs> so, but um, one of the things that I wanted to to kind of bring come circle back on is because knowing kind of how you approach Sea of Thieves, knowing that you do have folks that, that are bloodthirsty on your crew from time to time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but for the, for the most part, you kind of play things by ear. You like to kind of feel people out and see what their motives are. Exactly. Uh, fair to assume. I wanted to bring up a pirate's life. Uh, because you got an opportunity to review it and having a, 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 a proper outlet to actually like address one of the biggest updates that I think Sea of Thieves has ever had. Uh, definitely the most uh, notable that most people can, if, if you were to ask the average Joe, uh, like what their what their information about Sea of Thieves is, they'd say it's probably an, a, a pirate game that you, you sail around and kill other people and had a pirate's life with Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean in it. Um, from that perspective, uh, knowing kind of like your love for, for Sea of Thieves, did you feel pressured to really be critical with your review for Pirate's Life? Did you, did you have any kind of preconceived notions of what it would be like before you got an opportunity to jump in? And, and what is that, what is that landscape of trying to, trying to talk about Pirate's Life, um, where you know that a majority of people may not be familiar with the current landscape of sea of thieves yeah that's an important dance that you have to look at with every single review for me my goal is always you know to be honest and inform a wide variety of players with my reviews so when i look at sea of thieves my background is i've played sea of thieves for years i know the things that this game does well i know the things that this game desperately needs if it wants to appeal to a broader audience because you know, when A Pirate's Life hit, Sea of Thieves was a few years old. It had its dedicated player base. It was still growing in a lot of ways, but mm -hmm. it wasn't on like a Fortnite level where it had that mainstream widespread appeal for anyone and everyone to check it out. But you, you throw around the brand power of Disney and A Pirates of the Caribbean, and people who never bat, batted an eye at Sea of Thieves are going to download it and check it out. And so... Those sorts of updates are critical moments for a game because they can be a turning point where you you can bring in a new audience and you can keep that audience engaged and you can secure that audience. Or if you don't deliver, you have a bunch of new people who check out this game once and never come back to it. And so when Sea of Thieves launched, I think there that was one critical moment where they did lose a lot of players because of the lack of content. So a lot of people engaged with it. A lot of people played it for a short time, recognized that it was a beautiful world and moved on because there wasn't enough to do. Um, some of those people, you know, they had a chance to pull back in with a pirate's life. So when I was looking at this review, obviously I was coming from the perspective of a Sea of Thieves fan. I was coming from the perspective of a Pirates of the Caribbean fan. I was familiar with the source material, the ride and the movie franchise. And it just did this really amazing job of integrating the lore of Pirates of the Caribbean and the lore of Sea of Thieves in a way that we had never seen before. In my review, I talked about it being one of the most meaningful crossovers ever in a video game because it wasn't like, oh, dope, look, uh, Jack Sparrow's in Sea of Thieves, that's rad. It could have been that. 
It could have been just that, and that would have been dope. Yeah. But they had meaningful storytelling. They had meaningful character interactions between legendary figures like Jack Sparrow, Davy Jones, and then established characters in the Sea of Thieves universe. So it was meaningful. It was impactful. It was important to the narrative and to the storytelling. And for a lot of people, I think A Pirate's Life was that tradi- more more traditional campaign that they had been really hungry for. So I was excited for that player base. And then obviously it also introduced a host of new systems. And a big thing for me, new enemy types. Because Sea of Thieves, don't get me wrong, as much as I love <laughs> killing skeletons, I'm kind of sick of killing skeletons, all right? Like, that has been a, a big complaint for me for a long time is the lack of enemy variety. And that coupled with the fact that the the combat is pretty basic, um, that's another big criticism of the game. Yeah. Um, it was a really interesting dynamic to have the the ocean crawlers and have different types of ocean crawlers and and the sirens that we had seen since pre-launch that have been teased like those finally <laughs> made it and so there was a lot of stuff that kind of compounded and in a lot of ways i think a pirate's life was one of the main reasons we saw a huge uptick in the player count yeah. it was shortly after the pc launch if i'm remembering correctly and it was just this this beautiful moment in sea of thieves history where everyone got to kind of celebrate this game again it was like it's it's rebirth it's relaunch in some ways and so obviously i was very glowing in my review for those reasons because it was you know in a world of video game crossovers it was a crossover with weight instead of style and we know from fortnite that you can just you can do cool crossovers that have no weight or reason really Mm. and they're still fun but sea of thieves kind of took that one step further with the pirate's life yeah yeah, I, I agree. It's it's one thing to have Fortnite as kind of the uh, ready player one of video games out there to be able to pull in all of the IPs that you know from your childhood and to present them in a way that is still stylized but relatively uh, accurate to what their what their real IP looks like. Um, but with a pirate's life, it did something more. It 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 played with the idea of what would happen if the characters from Pirates of the Caribbean found their way into Sea of Thieves. And it wasn't necessarily something as like, we wanted to play around with the Disney toys. We wanted to see what what would have happened if there was a Pirates of the Caribbean movie that was set in Sea of Thieves and brought in characters from Sea of Thieves as opposed to just, oh, this is going to be something that we have an opportunity to do. Wouldn't it be cool to get some cosmetics from those franchise or from that franchise and pull them into the game? Um, one of the things that you brought up that I, th- I think really kind of resonates with me and res in, in, a, in a way that I feel almost insulted that a larger playing player base doesn't really appreciate Sea of Thieves. I feel like there's a lot of people who respect Sea of Thieves and there's definitely a lot of people who've, who've tried it out, but I don't ever feel like it gets the credit that it, it should. And maybe that's a very biased perspective. I admit that. Um, but I wanted to say, what what do you think is one of those things that Sea of Thieves needs to do to actually appeal to a larger audience? Um, well, it's one of the biggest things. And again, I'm, I'm conflicted on this because when I look at games, especially games that I'm invested in and want to see grow, I look at two different things. I look at what I want and I look at what will actually grow the game. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing that people talk about online a lot is is PVE, like PVE servers. Um, I'm I'm a little torn because I don't know how you could do PVE with Sea of Thieves as it stands. That being said, I think there are ways to lean into PVP modes, whether it's via like a dungeon, like an ins, because we've seen them do instanced events in the past where you go inside a dungeon and then no one else can engage with you there i think if they could find ways to maybe lean into that a little bit more you might be able to pull in some of the the skeptics who hate the pvp because that's a big thing people just hate the pvp and that's i think with sea of thieves you just kind of have to accept that that's not what the game is ultimately and i know like people are like you could do pve and yes you could you definitely could and maybe that'll pull in people. But I also think that the established base that loves Sea of Thieves as it is now, if PvE became more of a, a component of the experience, you might lose them. So it's this really delicate balance. But P- 
PVE is something that people really want. And there are ways to, I think, experiment with that without losing the heart of Sea of Thieves. Um, another big thing for me is I I personally really want to see an overhaul to the, the combats. Um, we have the sword, we have the blunderbuss, we have the Eye of Reach, we have the, the, the pistol... But the, the sword combo is really basic. Um, there's no other melee weapons really in the game. They've added like the staff, um, which gives you like some ranged attacks and kind of mixes up the gameplay loop a little bit. We have throwables. So we have basically pseudo grenades that we can use. They could expand the throwables with, you know, fruit. I think would be a fun twist there, but. Ultimately, I want to see some new weapon types. I want to see a whip. I want to see some other iconic <laughs> pirate weapons that are melee driven. And I want to yeah. see them, you know, have a perfect parries or some system that makes the combat more engaging. So when you're in a fight with a skeleton or when you're in a fight with a human, it's mm -hmm. not this like very predictable ebb and flow of, okay, here, blunderbuss once and then switch to another gun or blunderbuss me off the boat and especially the sword fighting component is 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 pretty lacking. So I think that would be another way to pull people in. I also think that like the hunter's call and like cooking and hunting in general, cooking, hunting, fishing, all of that can be really dramatically enriched. Right now it's there, but it's so basic, so mm -hmm. rudimentary that I don't understand how you how they expect anyone to truly engage with it cuz I I like fishing. I've, you know, I have one of the the <laughs> freaks of nature in this who's caught every single fish in the game, even though it's a miserable grind that you get nothing for outside yeah. of an achievement. Uh, I did it because I just like the fishing. I like the cooking as well, but it's hey, throw some meat, throw some meat on here, and watch it turn brown. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're in the we're in the seas. There's there's spices. We have you know there's fruits. Let's throw in some vegetables. Let's make the cooking more impactful. Let's make the cooking provide some sort of you know, temporary buffs to your, I don't know, make it so you can hold your breath longer, make it so you can run slightly faster, like yeah. lean into that and make the world more in, enriching and engaging through that. Those are the things that I, when I look at Sea of Thieves now and I look at the things that have been added to Sea of Thieves, I think those particular systems, while probably a little bit more involved are are long overdue so we just recently got a pretty big quality of life update with season nine um they've scaled pretty much all of the content so that it will move from first or from single player all the way up to four player and most of the content is a lot uh, more accessible um, we've also seen some really nice quality of life changes with like the harpoons and being able to grab stuff automatically and not having to pull yeah, it off hallelujah the, like, yeah. <laughs> isn't it nice uh it's so great um but we've also had some really awesome things like the storage crates and stuff like that when you're playing um i'm, I'm curious because I, I 100% want to see your world with uh, the fruit and, and having spices and things like that. I've long since thought that uh, it would be great to be able to cook multiple fruit with maybe a piece of meat to add uh, like a, 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 up to like a Kraken meat. You know, so say like you take like one drumstick, a couple bananas and a, and a coconut. And instead of it being just like the one bananas worth of health, you're actually getting a, a pineapple's worth of health and you have like a meal. Um, think a la like Breath of the Wild where you get a little more a little more rich food depending on how you cook it or what you cook it with. Ahoy there, pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any two vip books or use the affiliate link for green man gaming if you're a pc gamer you'd like to save money on games it's one of the benefit of being a pc gamer head over to green man gaming you can get codes for steam epic any of the different stores that they have deals going on they have deals going on all the time and if you plan on buying there please consider using our affiliate link all of that goes straight to me through the network thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast it means 
means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that, Pirates, let's get back to the show. So with some of the changes that we've gotten, some of the changes that you've talked about, one of the interviews that you had uh, back on episode 50, which is about a year ago, was with Joe Neat. I've been trying to get an interview with Joe Neat for a very long time. So I'm first off very jealous that you got a, a chance to, to talk with him. It was it was great to meet him at SOT Fest. But um, one of the things that you guys had talked about was a Sea of Thieves 2. And I know that they don't have plans on doing that. But from your perspective, does Sea of Thieves need to think about where Xbox is with their consoles, uh, where where Xbox is with their last generation? Do you think that Sea of Thieves needs to have a sequel and get a fresh kick from the start? Or do you think that uh, Sea of Thieves is, is fine where it's at? They just need to keep iterating more and more with uh, with the systems that they have. Yeah, so I guess first off, I'm very grateful that I've had opportunities to sit down with Mike Chapman and Joe Neat. So I've interviewed Mike Chapman and Joe Neat together when they first launched the idea of seasons. Pre-season one, we sat down and talked about, you know, what's a what's a season mean in, in Sea of Thieves? What's a battle pass mean in Sea of Thieves? And then to have Joe Neat come back for episode 50 of Xbox Chatterdays was also really awesome. So shout out to Joe. He's an awesome dude. I'm, I'm grateful that we have opportunities to talk, you know, publicly and privately. Uh, so really appreciate everything that he's done over the last couple of years. Um, when I look at Sea of Thieves 2, I think Fortnite, again, I know people don't like... <laughs> looking at Fortnite as like <laughs> this force in the industry. But I think Fortnite sets a great precedent for you don't need a sequel. We, mm-hmm. we saw Overwatch 2 and y- yeah, I thought Overwatch 2 was the most cynical way to do a sequel possible. It didn't really innovate. It didn't really do anything fundamentally different. It just was a an excuse for the reason that they didn't support Overwatch 1 in a, a meaningful way, and they shifted to free-to-play. We've seen other games go free-to-play without putting out a sequel. So Overwatch 2, I think, is the worst example of like, hey, they should just do a Sea of Thieves 2, because it could just be that. It could be nothing new. It's just like, hey, we want to revamp. We want the sexy marketing buzz. Yeah. Um, but they could iterate, much like Fortnite. Fortnite does fundamental engine updates to their game mm-hmm. that completely change the physics, completely change the graphics. And if Sea of Thieves, again, that's a lot of work, and we don't know like what the, the base engine looks like in terms of that being a realistic thing to expect. And we also know that Fortnite has just an army of people working on that game, just yeah. an absurd number <laughs> of developers working on that game. So it's not something I expect every game to do. But that being said, there is a way for Sea of Thieves to meaningfully update and enhance the game from a graphical level, from a gameplay level, without doing a Sea of Thieves 2. Um, Destiny is the other example where you could just go, hey, we do need to innovate. And right now... We know Destiny, like Destiny 2's engine is, it's it's showing its age with the last several updates. Bit, people, yeah. <laughs> people feel it, people see it, and I think it's at the point where I don't think they're going to continue. Well, actually, I think they've publicly said they're not going to continue the game uh, beyond yeah. a certain point. Um, and I think the reason they're doing that is to basically do like, a I don't know, a Destiny 3. I know they're working on some new IP as well, but I do, I do see Destiny continuing in one way, shape, or form and i think that's going to be via a destiny 3 so there is an again a precedent there that maybe the sea of thieves engine and the way that the game's been built and iterated on isn't going to allow for a fortnite level like fundamental huge update to the engine um that being said it probably could continue for another five years without a meaningful engine update and keep iterating and pe- and keep people happy and engaged i mean look at world of warcraft look at these legacy games that have been going for like over a decade that there's not really any huge fundamental tweaks to it but it still finds a way to keep people engaged and i think sea of thieves could easily be that yeah yeah, no, I. It's funny that you bring up a uh, uh, World of Warcraft, um, knowing how many like engine updates they've done to that thing over the last you know fifteen, seventeen years at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm always. It, it, it's funny because the question always tends to come back. Uh, when will uh, Rare drop Xbox One S and One X 
uh, support so that they can focus on developing for stronger hardware. And the the question always I always come back to is, is well, what about PC players on lower end systems? They're always part of it and they're always going to be a part of it. And there's no way to really separate those people. Like you would really have to cut off a fair amount of, of console hardware to be able to keep it at the level of what an Xbox Series S or X could do. I don't even know if my PC is considered powerful enough to to really be falling in line with the, the current gen systems. Um, with rumors of a mid-gen refresh coming with, uh, you know, next-gen PS6s coming in 2028, with Sea of having the update for the Xbox Series S and X, um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel as far as Sea of being kind of like a headliner for Xbox? We've seen issues with um, Halo Infinite struggling to monetize their, their free-to-play multiplayer system. Uh, we, we still don't know really what's going on with Coalition. Uh, there's been trouble as far as like the Perfect Dark development. Uh, Fable's pretty quiet. Um, we know Starfield and Redfall are going to hit, but I think that those are kind of like the big titles that were, were the purchase reasons behind the, the, the ZeniMax acquisition. So with kind of moving forward with Xbox, I, I constantly feel like I, I want to push and push and push uh, the outside world of, of just the community, beyond the community of Sea of Thieves and see like, what do I have to do? What is it going to take for Sea of Thieves to be one of those headliners that are people are going to be like, I can't wait for the, the next season of Sea of Thieves because I feel like something big is coming down the pike with uh, June and having the Xbox Season nine is going to end right towards the end of June. We got a Pirate's Life announced. Um, I believe that was, what was that, 2020? Mm-hmm. And we, we got a fantastic update from them. Um, we've had some pushes and some some uh, holds on adventures and mysteries right now. We're kind of like on a waiting, in a waiting pattern to find out what's going on. Like, I, I wish there was a way that, that I could ask some of the constituents that you have in yourself like, what would it take for Sea to get back onto the front page of like IGN? Like, what would be something that would would it have to be like a Pirate's Life two for them to to be warranted on having like mainstay coverage? Yeah, it's it really depends on what the feature pull is there because you need you need the marketing buzzwords. Unfortunately, as much as we don't really like to hear them or don't need to hear them, as folks who are you know immersed in the conversations immersed in what the the game offers you do need those marketing buzzwords and those big draws to get people excited about a game first thing that they could do we've seen a huge push to do multimedia if you do a sea of thieves movie or a sea of thieves series that would instantly skyrocket the brand appeal of of the game as we've seen with the last of us which was again that game's (laughs) old kind of old at this point the first one's over a decade old it had like a almost thousand percent boost to its sales like it just gargantuan boost to sales because it had a a highly successful a well-rated hbo series so sea of thieves as much as the the gamers don't want to hear it you need to put put a movie out there, put put a series out there, get somebody cracking on that because that has so much potential to be a huge pillar. And I think, again, for me, I do think Sea of Thieves is already a pillar of the Xbox business, of the Xbox brand. Um, they are one of the most, you know, the, the logo now I think is probably one of Xbox's most well-known. You could, you could see the Sea of Thieves logo and you know what that is. You know who it's associated with. Yeah. There are very few other Xbox IP as much as, you know, online we see people talk about Hellblade and Fallout and, you know, Pip-Boy's huge. Pip-Boy's yeah. huge. Um, but outside of that and outside of Master Chief, like, nothing really comes... Nothing else really is on the same level as Sea of Thieves in a lot of ways. So when it comes to getting that broad appeal, you know, having another big moment, it needs to mm-hmm. be a big feature update some sort of if they introduced like a new sea creature and they had some epic amazing footage of what that means for the gameplay experience that's something we could look at that and say oh damn sea of thieves added this and that makes me want to jump back in fortnite does it all the time oh damn fortnite added this vehicle or fortnite added this mechanic yeah. and that makes me want to jump back in so sea of thieves Again, I guess to get bigger and continue to grow, it just needs to continue to have those moments. Um, maybe, because it did kind of leave it open, 
for again i this i guess this is spoilers but it's been a few years so sorry um they left they left things wide open at the end of a pirate's life so maybe we get we get the part two of the pirate's life and some of those pirates of the caribbean characters come back or maybe they do another big crossover with a beloved franchise and pull in an entirely new audience if you had if you had the money, you had the ears, would, do you have like a crossover IP that you would love to see come to see these? That's really tough for me because Pirates of the Caribbean, that's the perfect one. That is the <laughs> perfect one. Like they started there, which yeah. means every other crossover they do is going to be, it's going to be hard for for me to, to compete with Pirates of the Caribbean because that was such a beautiful, perfect match made in heaven. So, uh, I know some people want One Piece. I've never watched the anime, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I know a lot of people um really pull for that one. Uh, Peter Pan is another one people talk about with the the Disney Foundation laid there. Yep. Um, but for me, I don't know, dude. I I can't think of anything that's gonna surpass Pirates of the Caribbean. If I'm being honest, that's fair. No, I don't. I don't blame you. And I honestly, I would love to see a Pirates Life two come to fruition. I. I don't know that they're going that route because I think that Rare has like Mike has got a, a really good bead on what he wants to do with the story. And I think he's he's pushing to get that story out into the Sea of Thieves world so that we can finally have uh, some of those those grand changes. Um, I'm curious to hear, have you gotten a chance to check out uh, New Golden Sands Outpost since they started really kind of renovating it lately? Um, I popped in just to do a drive-by the other day because the season dropped and I've been like so swamped so that I haven't had a lot of time to really sink my teeth into the latest update. Yeah. But as someone who was pulling for Golden Sands to be rebuilt and survive, <laughs> I was excited to see it come back in like a very epic way. It feels more alive it feels like this cool rich hub for activities uh so it was really stoked to see how good it looks now and how much they've added to that area do you think that that's a, a positive change for then and that, that's a, pre, a a pretty ringing endorsement for it to come back and, and be rebuilt um do you think that that needs to happen for the rest of sea of thieves or do you think it it's okay just being kind of encapsulated in this one outpost i guess that's that's an interesting question, because I think there are opportunities to do that throughout the world and really expand it. I mm -hmm. think one one way that Sea of Thieves could make the experience a little more streamlined is to have more central hubs where you can do everything. And they've been better about that. And they've added some quality of life features to improve that. But I think having some more kind of big hubs like the Golden Sands Outposts is sprinkled throughout the world that you can go and kind of check a bunch of things off your list at the same time i think that would kind of add to the community and then incentivize folks to congregate around that and much like we talked about previously one of the most interesting things about sea of thieves is the way that the world can feel alive through these these human dynamics so i think there is potential for them to do it more i just don't know that they need to do it with they quote unquote need to do it with other zones that's fair that's pretty fair how do you feel the the current state of the game is as far as like your your cursory like as far as the the stability goes of the game um we talked a little bit about how you feel that the the combat doesn't quite have the depth um do you think that that also translates to like sh sailing the ship does the ship feel too simple does there need to be more depth there how do you feel about like crew to crew interactions like do you feel like there needs to be more things you can do with other crews or or do you think that that uh should just kind of be left to what it currently is as far as like combat and you know the occasional conversation with them on uh, ship to ship or, or islands. I think the biggest problem that Sea of Thieves has right now is that there isn't a lot to do when you're on the ship, especially if you have like a full crew um, outside of turning the sails. Like some, there's a lot of downtime, which isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But that being said, if they could expand cooking, like they've teased games as well, dice, card games, other other you know social components of Sea of Thieves. They've tease them for a long time but we haven't really seen that brought to life and if you yeah. add cooking if you add 
um, social games, like let's say you run into another crew and you guys want to do some gambling, like that would be a fun way to increase the, the options to engage. Because right now you can either say, hey, let's alliance up and we'll go get some loot together or we can fight. And that's kind of the extent of the dynamic between mm-hmm. ships. But there are a lot of opportunities, I think, to expand what you can do while you're on the ship to make it more fun in regards to moment-to-moment gameplay. Because Sea of Thieves, the broad gameplay is exciting. When you're in a PvP fight, it's engaging. Um, but there's a lot of downtime that I think bores people. And I, when I play when I play with certain friend groups, they vocally express how bored they are while playing Sea of Thieves. And I think, you know, that's a problem for for some. Yeah, I'm I'm curious that with something like that, I I know that some of the things that have helped with that have been things like fishing uh organizing with storage crates and things like that it's it's really interesting to think about where should the time be spent in sea of thieves because it it feels like you're either going to do like a a world event or you're going to to dig up treasure or fight skeletons or you're going to be working on tall tale or you're going to be actively like hunting down other ships um and sometimes i think one of the things that that can tend to increase some of the unpredictability is when not everyone's really kind of paying attention or someone's like off the ship doing something else and they're you know exploring a, an island or they're checking out um you know like a a shipwreck or something that they want to check out uh i'm i'm very curious like if you add too much to do uh do you start to run into a situation people feel overwhelmed by choice um there's there's so much going on where you know there's there's too much micromanagement that you have to do with a ship to be able to keep it afloat if you start getting into an issue we've already had people with stories about you know getting rared by uh, a megalodon a skeleton ship in a kraken while a ship is chasing you like are there so many things outside in the world that could potentially all kind of collapse onto one um would adding a, a few more things to do on the boat uh be just a move it just a little past the edge of of this is unmanageable it is a delicate balance and i think fundamentally the cannons the way the the repairs work the way that the sails work you know masts coming down that that whole system i think what they have there is engaging enough i think that experience like you said at a certain point it does kind of become overwhelming when you have to worry about putting out fire when you have to worry about your mask going down pulling that up boarding it up there's a lot of different systems and elements that come together and it can be a lot so i think that component is fine i don't need that enriched i just i think there needs to be ways that outside of those elements when you're not actively engaged in a fight that are enriched because like i said the the moment to moment action of sea of thieves when you're when you're fighting a kraken when you're fighting another ship mm-hmm. when you're worrying about scooping water when you're worried about plugging holes like you're not bored there's no downtime you are you are actively working to solve this problem but that isn't the majority of the game yeah. you and i both have played enough to know that that's that's maybe 10 percent, 15 percent of what you're doing which means the other 90 ish percent um can be a little bit slow so i think again just having some some systems in place that make it so you feel like you have a duty. I think that would be a good way that Sea of Thieves can expand to, to more player types. Because sometimes you have your friend who wants to steer. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the person on my boat that I, I steer. Not necessarily because I like to do it. It's because nobody else wants to do it. So, <laughs> so I'm always steering the boat. And so, again, like when I'm steering, nobody else is steering. And they don't feel that they have a specific goal to work yeah. towards in that moment. So then they don't do anything. They either get on their instruments and, and <laughs> around and, and jump around and, and spam songs. Or they do nothing. Or they just go. They pull out their phone and they just kind of like yeah Blair Witch in a corner and wait for something to happen (laughs) so um I just think there needs to be more defined roles for like I'm gonna be doing this on the ship while we sail we have 10 minutes to sail to our destination I'm gonna be working on this and again you talk about storage crate organization 
Um, but we got that dialed into a science. So when my squad is set up, that, that happens before we even leave the island. So there's not anything really to do mm -hmm. once we're on the waters. Really curious, because um, with the most recent season seven, we got captaincy and we had the opportunity to uh, to like repair our ships through the shipwright. Uh, I would be curious if one of those things could be something like being able to repaint the exterior of your hull. Uh, say you got some scrapes and some scraps from from uh, a, a, sh a ship that you had an encounter with or just even just like the Kraken or a Megalodon having someone being able to be on like a rope or a swing or something that they could go down onto the side of the ship and start to actually like buff out some of the uh, the scrapes that you've had you know try and freshen up the exterior of the ship so it looks a little bit better um, if that's something that you push forward to, or even something, you know, silly, like, uh, we, we still don't have things like hatchets in the game. I still feel like even if it was just like a target practice thing, having a, the, the ability to grab a hatchet and, and throw it at a bullseye with, uh, teammates and, and be able to have something like where you could, you know, do darts or something, things like that on the boat, uh, might help kind of uh, reduce some of that, that boredom that happens on the, the actual top deck or, or when you're going from place to place. Um, is that kind of where you're, where you're pointing as far as like things to do? Exactly. Yeah. I think okay. there could just be some fun systems or games or activities that when you are on the ship, you feel a little bit more engaged. And again, Sea of Thieves for some has a lot, uh, you know, a passionate role-playing community. And I think, again, for me, when I look at like the cooking, I, I keep harking back on the cooking, but you could have a dedicated chef theoretically on the boat. And then mm -hmm. they could take that mantle. They could take that responsibility and say, I'm <laughs> going to make sure we have all of this food ready to go. I want to make sure we're all buffed and prepared for our, our journey and our fight. And yeah. then that person, you have your captain steering, you have your chef cooking, and then you have, again, hopefully some more options to keep the other two people engaged when you're not actively in a fight. Because obviously when it's time to fight, everyone comes together. You go back to your natural roles of firing the cannons, repairing the ships. But there is downtime that could be filled with some some more interesting activities. I like your idea of, of darts or something on the ship that you could just everyone can get together and, and do something to pass the time. Because, yeah. again, that's just the nature of a pirate. Pirates had a t historically had a ton of downtime. And that's why the, the shanties are a good part of that. And playing music together is a great part of that because you need you need activities to pass the time. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. The one other thing that I wanted to jump into uh, was um, obviously with season nine, we got a whole new plunder pass. Um, I think Sea of Thieves' plunder pass is probably one of the best uh, games as a service that I've I've played. I've played through a ton of different season passes and battle passes across multiple types of games. And I, I feel like Sea of Thieves is probably the most generous as far as like the actual content that you get for it. Um, but it's also one of the easiest to accomplish too. And it feels like it's getting easier and easier and easier. Uh, a lot of people are able to complete the season pass that are actively playing the game within a few sessions of play, typically somewhere between like maybe four to six hours a session, a few sessions with uh, knowledge of where to go and what to do on a regular basis, even just doing world events, they're able to get it knocked out um, pretty quickly. Do you think that that is a problem for Sea of Thieves uh, as far as engagement goes? Like, does that does that concern you as far as like people dropping off too fast for uh, a new season, like after it's just come out? Or do you think that that caters well enough to people who play casually that won't be able to jump in or, or secure loot uh, to get that knocked out in a reasonable amount of time? Yeah, I think Sea of Thieves has a good balance between the systems built into the game outside of the Plunder Pass the dedicated folks who want to play for 10 hours a day, they have goals to strive for now. I think with captaincy and a lot of those other long-term milestones, there's a lot more long-term stuff to work towards. In regards to the Plunder Pass, one thing I can't stand about the current state of Battle Passes is this ideal that you need to artificially lengthen the grind. You need to make the grind absolutely grueling so someone has to play it every single day for a few hours every day if they want to get to the end of the battle pass. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I love most about the Plunder Pass is that you can go in and you get meaningful progress every time you play the game. And you can go in for a week or two of this season and you can do that entire battle pass if you really commit to it. And I think that empowers the 
the, the people playing to play how they want, as opposed to playing how this arbitrary paywall wants you to play. You know, I'm, I've been very vocal on this. One of my biggest gripes about gaming right now is this idea that I have to pay for the privilege to grind. It's one of the grossest tactics, and it's the sunk cost fallacy that, you know, because you've paid for the premium battle pass, that you have to, quote, play this. And again, they can use mm -hmm. that to flex their engagement numbers, blah, 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 all of the stuff that, again, it's one of the things I talked about with Joni when he was on is that you there is a balance between the financial aspect, bringing games in, and then respecting the investment of people who give you money. And that's one thing that I really respect about Sea of Thieves, really respect about Rare, is that they, they look at that. They could charge way more for certain things. They could monetize more things than they currently do, but they want to make sure it's this fair balance of, we need to pay to keep the game going. We need to pay to support the game and make it bigger, add new systems, add new features. But we also don't want anyone who spends money on the game to feel bad about spending money on the game. So I don't think it's a problem. Um, there are plenty of games that you can go play right now that have a miserable battle pass. If you're looking for that, there's no shortage of that. But nine times out of ten for me, that does not make me play the game more. That makes me say, all right, I'm out. I don't, I'm not, you're not respecting my time. You're not respecting my money. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm really curious uh, to kind of do a little com uh, compare and contrast here in that case. Because uh, I, I agree with you. I think that they do a fantastic job of, of respecting the player's time. And which seems like it's been kind of like their overarching goal with everything they've done since launch. Is they've been trying to make small iterations and, and improvements throughout the game to make it um not necessarily easier but but more concerning of of like how much time does it take to get on a ship how much time does it take to get out and get something done how much time does it take to actually sell that loot and much like their battle pass it feels like they are trying to make sure that it is something that you can reasonably get done in a short amount of time if that's what you want to focus on but looking at, say, like um, we can take Halo's uh, Season Pass uh, as an example, when you buy their Battle Pass, you have it indefinitely and can work on it at any point. Um, and they're working on, on balancing how long it takes to progress through those. Uh, I think they'll find their sweet spot. Season 3 is pretty good right now. Um, but are you, when it comes to Battle Passes, how do you feel about that kind of a system compared to Sea of Thieves where it's uh, just easier to grind through? So it's it's less of a like it's it's less FOMO because you can get it done sooner, but it's also still kind of FOMO because if you don't actually buy it within the, the time frame that it's available, you will miss out on the extra cosmetics. Exactly. Uh, Halo Infinite had horrible progression at launch. We've People have talked about an ad nauseum. I don't want to go into it too much, but it was such a disappointing and like I touched on, like a very cynical approach to progression is, okay, here's daily challenges, here's weekly challenges. You do these things specifically or you get nothing towards this progress. Mm -hmm. And that forced you to play every day. You had to play every single day and play a specific way every single day. So I couldn't stand that. I, I really can't stand when battle passes fundamentally dictate how you're supposed to engage with the game. Where Sea of Thieves has always been about freedom. So if their battle pass was do X number of things per day for challenges, um, I think that's contrary to the the entire principle of Sea of Thieves. And that's why I think yeah. they, they probably had some hard decisions behind the scenes to say, all right, well... All these other games are doing this. We're going to bring in a system that's similar because we kind of need to. Um, but how do we make that work? So I'm glad that they said, you know what? Everything you do, it does not matter what you do. We're going to throw some ongoing challenges in there if you feel like hitting them. But no matter what, you just putting a piece of loot on your ship, that's going to get you progress towards this. And I think that's, I think more games need to look at that and really empower that. So now when you play Halo Infinite, you get experience per match you get experience if you're the mvp you get experience if you're in the top 50 percent you get experience if your team wins so there's all of these things that say all right like i don't have to get 50 kills with the pulse carbine and everyone just rolls their eyes and says i don't want to use this damn gun 
but it still rewards you for the time you put into it. So Halo right now is in a much, much better state when it comes to progression than it was at launch. Man, I love hearing you talk about this. I love feeling reaffirmed in, in all of the things I love about Sea of Thieves. It does feel satisfying to just play the game and, and be rewarded and know it. And sometimes I feel like maybe I'm not appreciating just how good it is to know, like I did a, a three to four hour stint tonight we got a lot of gold and I jumped up 20 levels in my in my battle pass and my platter pass and it feels great. I got some new cosmetics to check out. Um, Miles, I've, I've taken your time tonight. I don't want to take any more. I want to respect your evening because I, I know you're already busy. You got a bunch of stuff you're probably working on. I know you've probably got embargoes going at the moment. Uh, and if not, you're you're probably looking to get back into Resident Evil because uh, I don't blame you because that's it's a fantastic game but um please if you don't mind just run through people uh what where you where they can find you where they can find your content what are you up to what have you got coming forward that they can uh look forward to um with this being the probably the last episode for March yeah really appreciate you reaching out man I'm, I'm glad you reached out I love talking about Sea of Thieves uh it's funny when I started working at Windows Central um, I got a lot of people commenting like, oh, I thought Windows Central th didn't like Sea of Thieves because folks like Jez and Matt Brown over there had been kind of critical of Sea of Thieves. And so I came in and was like a, the, the main person pushing to do more Sea of Thieves stuff. So it was fun to build that up over there. Um, I still do some work over at Windows Central in some capacity, but you know, due to uh, some budgeting things over there, uh, I'm not as active, but you can mostly find what I'm working on now over on IGN dot com um and um in the last few months i recently started my own channel youtube.com slash miles dompierre which has really been refreshing because it's a place where i can talk about whatever i want in the game space but then i've also spent some time being able to talk about horror and talk about music and other other things that i'm passionate about so it's kind of it's been a really nice change of pace for me so i'm working on some resident evil 4 stuff for ign i'm going to be working on a bunch of other stuff for ign coming up and um yeah xbox chatterdays if you haven't checked it out is live every saturday now over on youtube.com slash miles dompierre at 10 a.m pacific time Awesome. Thank you so much, Miles. It's it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm going to be linking both not only the uh, Joe Neat episode that you did, but also the one with uh, the preseason rollout for uh, Sea of Thieves with both uh, Joe and Mike. Um, I got all of your socials in the show notes. So if you guys want to know where to find Miles, because you really should be following him, uh, head over to Twitter at Miles Dompierre, D-O-M-P-I-E-R, and make sure you check out his channel. It's in the show notes. I appreciate you all. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Looking for a Fallout audio drama? It's True Vault Escapades. That's right, follow the death-defying adventures of Detective Walter Camry and his vault girl Bunny as they solve the Wasteland's biggest mysteries. From the dramatic Texas prologue to the high-stakes world of New Vegas, Walter and Bunny risk it all to crack everything from murders, slaver syndicates, and corruption at the highest level in post-nuclear America. True Vault Escapades. It's a Fallout show with a detective twist. Look for True Vault Escapades wherever you get your podcasts. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from.